welcome to the Futile Podcast, and tonight it's Ian, and from making his dramatic return to the Futile Podcast, we have... It's Eduardo M. Fryer, uh, one of the co-hosts of Mark Who 42's Hooniverse. Tonight uh, we're going to talk about uh, some Guardians of the Galaxy, and I was going to kind of... Uh, cannibalize your your podcast and ask you some doctor who questions since i just got caught up on i guess caught up on on all 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 that all that stuff uh with um with the like you know last 50th anniversary that's, and christmas special thing you know that's that's fine i mean you came to the you came to the right person right and it's pretty good timing whatever, right whatever, help you. whatever yeah pretty good timing because yeah and uh about two weeks from when we're recording is going to be the uh Season eight premiere. So okay. So from twenty fourteen. Oh my gosh! Wow, twenty fourteen. Um, we have Guardians of the Galaxy, written by James Gunn, and I don't remember the other woman. Well, the other woman, the other the the, the other person's name was Nicole something. Um, oh God, I can't I can't remember off the top of my head either. But he's James Gunn also directed it. Uh, it's the Guardians of the Galaxy and. Uh, Sort of, the, the, I think this was the the big one that uh, people were nervous about with Marvel because it was this like, wait, what? They're doing this and it's that, and it's 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 definitely an outlier in a lot of respects in terms of both the, the, the genres that that fit the other Marvel movies and almost the brand that is the Marvel movie to a degree because it's most of the Marvel movies, with the exception of maybe the Avengers, have been you know the single character sort of origin story kind of take uh, some kind of plight on Earth and then there's a fight at the end and, you know, they learn to get over hubris or whatever. Captain America isn't really about that, but, you know, it's got World War II in there, so it's forgivable in that respect, I guess. Um, well, the biggest, uh, I think the biggest question mark on everybody was that while you have comic fans that are familiar with Guardians of the Galaxy... Uh, they're not familiar to a wider audience. So the big question mark was, would this work? Would people flock to these characters, or would they be like, what the heck is with the talking raccoon? Exactly, yeah. But from what what we've seen from the past past week or so, yeah, people went for it. Uh, I think that that's that's a... I think that's a good thing, because uh, it's just... From a genre perspective, it's much more of like a, an action comedy than even the other Marvel movies, which um, have got a, a decent bit of humor. They're they're not. Um, I mean, if you're going to oppose, if you're going to you create up a, a pretty easy sort of dichotomy between like the D, the current DC films and the Marvel films. The Marvel films seem to just be a little bit more fun. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no, definitely. And this this movie, I think, is has been the most fun of all the Marvel movies. And it also, uh, I got to give props to James Gunn. Right from the get go, he showed you you're in for a fun time. Like when I saw the movie, I saw the movie exactly a week ago with a friend of mine. We went to the theater, and from the minute you had the opening credits, and there's Peter Quill exploring like a ruined civilization while dancing along to Come and Get Your Love by Redbone, that's James Gunn saying, yeah, this is going to be a fun movie. Don't worry. There's Okay, yes, his mom died of cancer in the beginning, and he got abducted <laughs> right after, but this is going to be a fun movie. We're not going to be angsting. Yeah, that was a very strange kind of... Um, 
juxtaposition-y thing. And, and that's probably one of the few 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 things I can be not necessarily critical of, but there are a couple of times in the movie where it, it's very tough. To, comedy, I think, is the hardest. And, um, and it's very tough to kind of do the comedy levity, but then also come back to like the, oh, but now this matters. And, oh, somebody might die. And... I mean, so it's it, it was extra strange going into something that, that I knew was going to be fairly comedic, but I, fig- I expected it to be about what it was. But then that opening is just like, whoa, they're just going to start with like the, 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 the bald, dying, cancer-ridden mom thing. Like, it almost plays like a really dark joke. And to yeah. me, I mean, I'm just that cynical, maybe I'm just that twisted, but I'm like, okay, I mean, like you're, you're setting up something for like a character here... And and first off, I was baffled because it was a, it was a great start to me because, like, you get like you're watching trailers, you're watching trailers, and then you get like a little like text thing, and then I'm like, is this just some clever new trailer for something? Like, I didn't know the movie had started at first until you know about maybe twenty seconds in when it's like, oh okay, this is actually the, the movie. It's not a trailer for a different movie. Yeah. And then I kind of like the way that, that 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 it goes into the Marvel thing after you know the little coda beginning. But um, but yeah, yeah. That, was a, that was a nice change also to kind of. But also, I think the thing with the beginning for me is that they got the origin story out of the way. You well, know, part of it that there's you know there's the or, well at least the character like they didn't the the thing that gets me is that even when you have an established character like Superman, they had to do the origin again, and it's like we know we know the origin. You don't have to do it over again. Right. You know, I, let's I, just get to the meat. You yeah. know, let's get to the meat of meat of things. You and know? that becomes they, the problem for Superman, I think. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because no, that's what they, they tried with uh, Superman Returns. I think that they went too far in the other direction, away from Superman Returns with this new one, and that I think was part of the problem. That's my right. yeah, the biggest well, take yeah, on that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. But um. But yeah, they got they got Pete Quill's origin out of the way. Uh. You know, all the other characters. Their origins are taken care of with that police lineup. It's like, oh, this is this is his deal. That's his, that's her deal. This is Rocket's deal. You know, they didn't need to go into these huge flashbacks, and I like that because then it could focus more on the story. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I mean, for the most part, I mean, I am one of those character guys, though. So it's kind of like it, by choosing to start with him as a kid and with this really traumatic moment, and then this abduction, and then you cut to twenty six years later. Part of me is always sitting there going, and I, I said this to Zach. It's like I really am, am kind of curious about those twenty six years, and I bet there was some. There, there's like a there's like a whole good movie worth of stuff in there. That would be your Peter Quill, quote unquote, origin story movie. But I mean, that's yeah. not what this story is, and I'm I'm fine with that too. Like you pretty quickly get a sense of like, okay, he figured out this world. He he developed a certain kind of defense mechanism, sense of humor that allowed him to kind of navigate such a bizarre thing. He was taking it. Presumably a young enough age that he was able to kind of, um, you know, adjust relatively quickly to, to all of this. And you're right, yeah, then they get all the other character stuff. I mean, they're just laid in quickly, and you understand who they are and what they are, and their motivations are fairly clear and pretty straightforward. Um, one of the things that I, I, I really liked about the movie, and just in terms of, like, the writing is... So they get they all end up getting into a big fight, which, of course, is always going to happen in these ensemble movies... At the beginning, and then well, and it's a it's a superhero tradition, also. Right, yeah, and then they get all they all get arrested. So you're like, okay, now they're going to have to break out of prison. And how long is this going to take? And how many scenes are going to be in prison? And everything. And so they they do a little bit of that. They do a little bit of charactery stuff here, and they sort of establish sort of 
uh, a rationale or they give a good reason for these people to all kind of be on the same team initially. And then and then it, you're like, okay, this is going to be like a heist movie thing. It's going to take another ten more minutes before they're out of prison. And then they just cut to straight, you know, the, or we can just improvise now. And it just moves. So the story's got like a pretty strong momentum towards just getting through things. Because I find... Well, and they also, I mean, they also did like... The beginning with Pete Quill is, you know, very Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right, yeah. Uh, you know, you have the Prison Break movie, you have the Heist movie, you know, you have all these different genres, and they blended it in really well, I think. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And and they kept they kept humor, they kept and different kinds of humor, you know. So there was there's some slapstick, there's just some kind of referential stuff, and just kind of charactery based, you know, moments of, of humor. I found myself. I was pretty certain that I was going to kind of find a couple of the characters tedious, not knowing much about them, but like, I'm like, okay, so this is going to be the like guy with no humor that's, that's angry. It has like a, you know, blood feud revenge thing. And then there's going to be the tree guy who's just going to be kind of like a go-to joke, but those ended up both being really engaging characters. And I think what James Gunn did with, by making the Drax character, like always take everything so literally is that he, it made for like great comedy because of that, you know, <laughs> and, well, and that even, was good. And, and just even moments like when uh, when Pete Quill had to had to uh, run back into the prison because he wanted to get his Walkman back. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, just the the look on Drax when he finds out this is all about a Walkman and how he just very dead. What I love is how he very deadpan goes. You're an imbecile. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just... No, he was good. He, that, um, Dave Bautista was good in that, and and that's 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 awesome. And I mean, I think part a lot of people when they saw that little coda on Thor two were a little trepidatious. Like this doesn't look very good. Like it looks kind of cheesy. It looks kind of low budgety and sci fi ish, and, and with the Y, you know. And in the end, of the, I don't think it, the actual movie looked much different than that coda, but. That ended up working. I didn't think that the effects were bad, and apparently it was a "quote unquote" you know relatively low budget movie for one of these big you know summer blockbusters. I guess it was sixty million, so that's pretty cool. You know, I mean, maybe yeah, because they didn't need a big actor or anything. You know, yeah, and you don't and you don't have to. And that's the other thing. I mean, you don't have to like uh, blow your budget doing a lot of uh, a lot of big special effects. You know, you need, you don't have to go there. So the fact that they were, you know, the fact that this wasn't that huge a budget movie, you know, it's, I think that's a that's a plus on its side. And honestly, I had no when I saw the coda in, in Thor two, I was like, oh wow, cool, the collector. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Of course, then again, you know, I'm a I'm a comics guy, so. Well, that's you know, what that you, stuff is supposed to be for, on some level, yeah. I think. Especially especially the one at the end of this one. <laughs> oh God, yeah, I was. I, think I, that, I was cheering. I, I was like, yes. I think there's two crowds of people. Was, someone standing next to me was like, no, oh, ah. And I'm like, come on, dude. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. For, for me, it was, I mean, for me, it was, it was wonderful because I'm like, now I've heard James Gunn has since said, no, the little bit at the, after the end credits was just a fun little joke to right, end off yeah, on. Yeah, right, right. But what I'm hoping is that the, the reaction to the cameo is so great that Marvel turns around and says, you know what? Yeah, maybe we could do give them a movie. Why not? You know, especially because since it would be Marvel and Disney, you know that they would, that this time around, they'd do a good job. Right, yeah. You know, they'd, they'd have some care with it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I am, um, I don't know, we'll see. <laughs> All bets are off now. But I mean, another thing that, that was, uh, 
I mean, that I've just kind of liked about most of these Marvel movies is, I mean, sure, there's they're crowd-pleasing. There's, you know, things that are factored in, a lot of, you know, story-by-committee type of things. But they do seem to kind of be faithful to the to the essence of the characters. They do... They don't seem like they're perpetually pandering and like kind of a, I mean I know it's an easy target but in kind of a like Michael Bay kind of way where I mean I mean all the music in this movie this movie is mostly quote unquote soundtrack not score uh, is is mu- music that came out before I was even born and I'm 30 almost 34 I mean so this is not filled with new metal and and hip hop yeah, no, and, and stuff that would appeal to the kids you know yeah, no, there, there's probably about maybe, of all the songs that we had in the film, there's maybe one or two that I was alive for. And even then, I'd be like a very little, little kid. You know, some of the music choices, like, I don't think anybody in their right mind would have ever thought of setting an exploration piece to come and get your love. Or having somebody breaking out of prison while the music in the background is the Pina Colada song. Right, yeah. You no, know, it, that it's... just not a... Not only you know, not only did they use that music, but James Gunn also found ways to kind of use it in a way you wouldn't think of. Right. Yeah. And, and it, um, yeah, it's neat like that because like it, it does kind of in a weird way harken back to those '80s action comedy movies that I feel as a sort of bizarre amalgamated genre we we don't really get too much of anymore. I mean, we get every now and again they try and they seem to sort of not be successful, but uh, yeah. yeah. But but it's definitely so so it kind of calls back to that and I mean in terms of like the popularity of the movie doing well at the box office I mean usually they say that that has a lot to do with uh, with rewatches with people going back and seeing the movie a second time or whatever and usually that that means that for even for these big ones it's kids you know it's it's the the, the you know the little boys or the you know the eight the fourteen year old boys or whatever that are going to go back and see Transformers fifteen times or whatever. I guess I don't know. I'm not a demographic guy. Whatever. But I can say to this movie that two of the peop two two of my friends who are in like their late thirties early forties saw it and then went and saw it two days later. So <laughs> again, so. Uh, this is like an, an odd movie that's kind of hitting that like outs, outskirts of the demographic kind of appeal and sh- and demonstrating that like that there's something there which I don't know in a very strange way I, Guardians of the Galaxy could kind of reopen the idea of cinema <laughs> again people well, be like well wait a minute maybe if we make a movie that will kind of appeal to this group they'll actually want to watch it at the theater and <laughs> have fun with it. Yeah, no. For, well, for me, uh, what I like about Guardians of the Galaxy is it proves that you can take characters who are not, you know, easy sells, who are not the big marquee names, and you can do a successful movie. You know, I was a little worried when Lone Ranger tanked uh, last year, and when John Carter tanked. Uh, you know, a lot of the problems have to do with like the script level and the creative level for those movies, but I was afraid that when it came to the thought process by, you know, the ones, you know, the people at the top, you know, in the studios and everything, that they would be saying, well, you know, this proves we have to then look at, you know, we, you know, we, should, we should focus more on Superman and Batman because people aren't going to know who these people are. Yeah, you know, We should that, focus yeah. more on the Spider-Mans and Iron Man, and, you know, and instead of taking a risk and trying to do characters that people may not have heard of, 
you know, or that if anybody's heard of it, it's only like a, uh, a smaller group of people rather than the mass audience. But, you know, I'm very happy that Guardians of the Galaxy did well or is doing well because then that says that, yeah, provided that you have a good script, that you have a good creative force behind, you can do this. People are going to come see this. You know, it doesn't have to have a big name behind it. Yeah. And it is a strange one. I don't know. I don't know. I don't follow a lot of that uh, Rotten Tomato stuff or anything. But it, it seems like even even the, the, the typical like outlier, like, ah, I didn't really like it that much type, types uh, on the net and stuff. Everyone's kind of generally on board with this. I think it's getting, it seems to ha- have kind of a solid B plus kind of rating from, from the, the majority, which is, uh, which is different, which is interesting, you know? Um, yeah, no. And it's, and, and again, for me, it's incredibly, you know, it, it's incredibly refreshing. There's the whole idea of, connecting this to the other movies at some point, which I think seems like a pretty easy connection to, like, an Avengers well, 3 and some sort well, of hey, intergalactic well, thing, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you already you had Thanos have a much bigger role in this. You know, right. I mean, in Avengers, he was... In Avengers, he was that last-minute surprise. Like, you knew that somebody was kind of bankrolling Loki, and then you look at the end credits, and then all of a sudden there's Thanos. But now you kind of see that, you know, you get you get a little bit more of him. I mean, he didn't do... He didn't get to do much in this film, but then again, I wasn't expecting it. Going in, I was expecting what I got, which was he's sort of the, em- he was the emperor to Ronan's Darth Vader. He's yeah. the one who's in charge of the whole thing. And he's not going to, he's not going to dip his toes in the water, you know, yet. Like he's going to hold back and then maybe at some point he'll show up. And then that's when, you know, oh geez, you know. Yeah. You I don't, know, I mean, do we I have anything I to break Do we have anything to, br- do we have anything that we can, break the glass in case of emergency because this is an emergency yeah so. right yeah i don't i don't know enough of that big marvel stuff i've always my my background with 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 both the big companies is mainly you know batman and dc and, and spider-man and x-men in um in marvel yeah, no, and I'm since a, they're I'm kind a, of I'm a huge yeah no, i'm a apart. huge marvel fan so having thanos is you know having thanos as a big bad guy in the marvel movies that was i still remember watching the avengers and the minute we saw that scene in the credits, uh, my friend and I, same same guy I saw Guardians with, we look at each other, and the look on our faces is like, oh, man, this this got real. This got real. Cool, cool. And then, I mean, and, and I don't plus, know. And, and, yeah, and plus all the all the Easter eggs that we had in here, yeah. you know, was really cool. Um, one thing that I did not realize when I saw the film, but then I found out later is the girl that was in Peter Quill's ship, the one that apparently had been sleeping things off right, while yeah. he was off exploring. That's actually a character who had shown up in the Hulk uh, back in, like, the 70s or 80s. Huh. Uh, you know, it was some this alien, this alien woman who is kind of a, an amateur filmmaker. Huh. You know, um, I, I don't know if they'd do that in the movies, but, you know. And then, of course, there's the Nova Corps, yeah. Uh I think um in the comics the the character played by John C. Riley, he's the one who empowered the uh the first human being to be in, in the Nova Corps, Rich Ryder. And again, I don't know if they're gonna follow that same uh line you know, line of thinking in the movies, but uh and then of course there's the collector. Yeah. And the fact that like for example, the dog in the spacesuit, he's part of the Guardians of the Galaxy comics. It turns out he's one of these leftover Soviet experiments from the space race. And what the movie didn't show is he can actually talk. 
Oh, I bet, of course. He can talk, and he has telepathic abilities. And then, of course, and then people saw this in Thor, and I think we can see it in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, there's this strange cocoon-like thing that's a part of his collection, and in the comics, the character of Adam Warlock, he will create those cocoons. You know, whenever he uh, gives himself a power boost. Oh, okay. So some people are are thinking, uh oh, does that mean we're you know we're getting Adam Warlock? And then of course there's well, there's Howard. Yeah, Howard. You know, may as well just shoot that. You know, I think everybody by now knows that Howard the Duck was the uh, the surprise at the end. I gotta admit, a part of me was hoping that the post credits scene would be leading into Doctor Strange, but I thought Howard was a fun little surprise. And again. Uh, I'm hoping that there's been enough positive uh, buzz that Marvel and Disney will try their hands at, at a Howard the Duck movie and do like a really good job this time and really do credit to uh, to the character and his creator Steve Gerber. Well, the the real the real concern I think I mean it's yeah it's zany with all the characters. I mean you mentioned Doctor Strange. Has that is that far enough into any sense of real production for them to be to be reasonably doing something like a coda for that? I don't you know, see that's the th- I think yeah that's the weird thing. Doctor Strange is it's one of those things that has been floating around. We just have yet to see like a definitive trigger pull. Right. Uh, Str- Strange will be the- a weird one to do though too because I feel like in in a in a, in a, in a strange way uh, <laughs> D- DC is all magic and Marvel is all science. I mean, they're both you know made up stuff, but uh, you know, like, but it's all gods and goddesses and super powered magic, uh, and it's all mutations and sci-fi and you know, well, you know science well, hey, to a large degree. Look. But Doctor Strange is this outlier there. So once you introduce him, just like how you uh, you know with Avengers, you introduce the idea of aliens. Uh, <laughs> And, well, and, you know, Thor, and then, okay. you know, you add these extra parts, like, it becomes, like, a much more complex machine <laughs> from okay, a narrative if standpoint. You look at, okay, but if you look at Thor, if you look at right. Thor, Thor was able to do the gods and, you know, and yeah. alien realms. I'm sure you could do something with Doctor Strange. And if you take, if you take like, your cues from some of the more recent comics where they've established that, you know, there's magic, but even magic has rules and, you know, ways to follow – then you could still have something that could fit the tone of the other movies. You're just now adding another piece of the pie. You're adding another genre to the whole general umbrella of this superhero world. But yeah. it could still work. It could yeah. still work. I mean, I don't think there's. I don't think you have to worry, especially because the guys in charge of the Marvel movies, uh, Kevin Feige, I think that's how you pronounce his name. If, if you don't, and if somebody who's a friend of his is listening, I apologize. Uh, oh, I'm, you know, sure send, the, I'm sure all send, the Marvel guys are listening right now and taking yeah, names. Well, and they're going to make sure that to make these things work in a way that the fans that they already have are going to love this, and then the people that they need to bring in will be able to love it themselves. Yeah, you know, the crowd, they're not going to the leave anybody out in the cold. The crowd pleasing yeah. has been has been very successful so far. Where you you had this odd just. Usually that doesn't work when you try to make everybody happy. You try to make the the fans and you try to make the uh, the general public. Now maybe it speaks to something about the nature of the Marvel characters as opposed to the DC characters. There there's sort of this discrepancy. But I mean I don't know. Um, I, I'm uh, no. I think I I actually think that you could there. I mean yeah, you can't please all the people all the time. But still, if you if you work things a certain way, you should be able to have a healthy balance. You know, not everything's going to be perfect. 
you know, I'm sure that there are people who saw Guardians of the Galaxy and were like, yeah, but, you know, why is it like this? And me, 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 you know, like, why are the Infinity, you know, why are they making the Cosmic Cube one of the Infinity Stones, you know? Right, yeah. You know, why is, why is Thanos, you know, why is Thanos uh, just sitting there, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right, right. So, you know, you're going to have people who are going to nitpick. But in all, I mean, if you're able to find a healthy balance where there's enough, enough of the classic people who like what you did and there's enough of the new people, then, you know, that's what you need to go for. I think the problem with DC is that – with DC and Warner Brothers is that they're trying to constantly remake the wheel. You know, they're more concerned with getting new people in to the point of alienating classic fans – by saying, okay, we're going to, you know, okay, Superman is too much of a Boy Scout. Let's make him more angsty because, you know, yeah. angsty is the in thing now. Right. So essentially you have a character that just, you know, it's like, well, wait a minute. Why the, like, I think uh, somebody who was reviewing Man of Steel when it came out, they were saying, God, couldn't he have at least saved one puppy? Is there anything bad about that? You know, why couldn't no, he have gotten true. one puppy out of a tree? You know, it's like, it's like, Jesus, you know, what a depressed, you know, what a depressing movie and this is supposed right. to be superman you're not supposed to get depressed about superman you know i mean everything every time i read something about batman versus superman i'm like god do you want me to see this or are you trying to get me not to because yeah, i'm not getting every, excited everything seems very much in the direction of this is but but the it's it's hard to argue against you know the bottom line i mean that movie made a lot of money and then they're yeah, like, okay. Made, yeah. And Avengers made a lot of money. They're like, okay, we need to fast track. Yeah. We need to throw Although them all it's... in there. They're all going to be there. Aquaman's going to show up probably now too. It's everyone's yeah. going to show up in this. And I mean, in a weird way, I feel. But I mean... hopefully, but I mean, hopefully, you know. And I don't know. It just what what strikes me is it feels like the DC approach. You know, the DC Warner Brothers approach is going to be more of a of a playing catch up by doing quantity instead of quality. You know, let's make sure that we have. Uh, all these movies coming out in a five-year period. Uh, let's, you know, oh, we're going to do, you know, next shot out of the gate, we're going to have Batman and Superman in a movie together. And we're going to throw Wonder Woman in as well. And right. maybe Aquaman will show up. So it's just trying to throw all this stuff in the pot and also kind of like almost almost a desperation move. Oh, it's absolutely by saying, that. You know, but, but, by, by kind of saying, hey, look, kids, we have a rich, diverse universe too. Come on, pay attention to us. You know, yeah, I mean, DC's, notice DC's how universe is always a little harder to sell, I think. But but it's like, but also, I mean, notice, uh, you know, we just had Comic Con right. uh, at the end of last month. Notice how when we had Comic Con, uh, what did DC? You know, while Marvel broke out this beautiful slate, you know, they 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 showed off stuff from Age of Ultron. They showed Ant Man's coming. They showed Agents of Shield is coming with new characters and a spinoff that will take half the season. You know, what DC did was they showed, like, a two-minute uh, sizzle for yeah. Batman Superman going, see, see, they're going to be together in the movie, see, see. You know, yeah. they're just, it, and it's they like, might again, fight. <laughs> and they might fight. See, look, they might not get along. You read Dark Knight Returns, right? That was cool, right? Yeah, see, exactly. now it's on the big screen. You know, it's this sort of, you know, please, it's this sort of, please, please love us as well. Yeah, you know, and, and, and I, mean, I think and, it's just, it's Snyder it shouldn't be the one making it. That's too yeah, bad. And then, you know? Well, well, I, I think it's, it's Snyder, and then it's also the fact that since Chris Nolan is producing, the message seems to be, oh, since Chris Nolan did really well with the Batman movies, then let's make Nolan's vision the vision for everything. And that's the thing. You can't fit you know, what the Marvel movies have done right is you can't fit everything in the same 
peg. You know, you can't right, just yeah. cut everybody from the same cloth. You know, Iron Man is a focus on technology and, you know, the dangers of technology run amok. Uh, you know, Captain America, you know, the first movie was a World War II, you know, epic. Uh, Winter Soldier was, a, you know, a callback to political thrillers. You know, Thor is, you know, alien worlds and, you know, godlike stuff. Uh, you know, everything has a different flavor. Everything has a different taste. So even though they're all superhero movies, you have different things for di- different strokes for different folks. You yeah. know, instead of this, instead of this, well, let's just make all our heroes angsty and brooding and, oh, my God, I want to save the world. You know, oh, I want to save the world, but how do I do it without exposing myself? <laughs> yeah, right. I yeah. mean, the, you know, it's, it's it just, oh, God, it's like. God, I want to see a superhero movie to to get like thrills and you know to to get pumped up. I don't I don't want to be like Jesus Christ, man. You know, stop whining. You know, yeah. you can fly. You know, what's what, what's your problem? Yeah. You know, jeez, you could you could bench press a you could bench press a uh, an ocean liner. You know, why are you whining? You know, get over it, man. <laughs> God, you got you got like an awesome fortress in the in the Arctic. You know, not anymore. Come on, man. I, I I want one of those. He doesn't have the fortress. Yeah, well, not well, not anymore. They turned it into a UFO and they blew it up. It's like, yeah. wait, way to go. Thank, thanks, Zach. You know, right. I mean, I can. Lot, see, I I mean, the other side of that coin is that I, I I can kind of process it all in a weird kind of you know pocket universe and be like, I can see how this could be a like you said, not a not a not a joy filled experience, but like really like very dour and especially after the, what happened to that city in that movie it's like oh, how, I mean, how metropolis got got obliterated yeah, yeah, yeah exactly it's kind of like yeah, okay no, this is not this isn't even really superman i mean <laughs> and so if it's not superman then it's just they're just using the name to tell whatever story they want to tell and they're using the characters and the licenses and because they know it will draw people in and i mean that's very cynical and it's um you know it's a bait and switch and and that's well, not that's... okay but but I mean, there could be interesting drama in, in in that in that story. I mean, I don't. I've never been terribly interested in Batman fighting Superman. I think, like you said, the two instances where it's engaging and and kind of relevant are Dark Knight Returns, obviously, where it's a big deal and it is very much you know a, a major point, kind of the yin and yang of the whole DC universe right there. Uh, and then just the kind of straightforward fight from Hush. <laughs> Those are like the yeah, two times and, when it's like, well, okay, even, they're making a point about Hush, that. Even then in Hush, the Batman-Superman fight was because Superman well, right, yeah. was being controlled. You know, right, so, which is always so, what you do with Superman, yeah. Yeah, ex- yeah. I mean, the other – well, I would say the other one. Like if you want another uh, Batman-Superman fight, the other one was Kingdom Come, although that was more in sort of an ideological sense. Right. And, you know, they never really – and they never really actually went toe-to-toe. You know, it was more sort of battling ideologies and, you know, the conflict was able to be resolved without them having to punch each other out. Right, which is usually so, how it sort of should be. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I think I'm not terribly optimistic for it. Um, I'll yeah, no, I'm I'll not, watch I'm I'll watch, more, a, I'll watch see, a trailer when a real trailer is released to see yeah exactly. To see which, yeah. So far, all the copy I've seen from it, and I, I, I didn't even bother. I heard about the sizzle reel, reel and was just like, this just sounds dumb. I bet every image that they show, they they show the Superman image with that same desaturated background and the dark and the rain, and I'm like, oh great. And then they show the same sort of image with like of the Wonder Woman, and I'm like, that's oh god, I saw the Wonder it's Woman all the image. Same shit, but, you know. But, but it, what it looks like, what it looks like to me, is that when making her costume, Zack Snyder was like, you know, I have some leftovers from the last 300 movie. Yeah, right. No kidding. You know, it, and it's one of these things where it's like, oh, they probably look at the Linda Carter era, or you know, Wonder Woman's outfits from like 30 to about, uh, from like 30 to about 10 years ago, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, well, you know, we, we can't do that. That's too cheesy. You know, we need to do so- we need to do something modern and up to date, and you know that that you know kind of takes influence from you know stuff like Xena and and 300 and all that. You know, in- instead of saying, well, is there a way to take the classic look and kind of make it work in a way? It's just you know, it-, it seems like it's trying to distance itself because you know it's like, oh, oh, that's 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 cheesy. Oh, oh no, we don't want to go there. Right, you know, we, yeah. we want we want to look more modern and you know more more mature and more you know it's it it it's coming from a cynical place. Well, absolutely, yeah, a lot of it is, and I mean, uh, you talked about the nitpicking fanboy stuff. Like, I've um, I'm not sure where I'm going to land on it, but I'm pretty sure I, I have a, an incredible amount of ambivalence for this uh, this Gotham show because I'm a big Batman guy. Uh. But I, everything I, in the trailer for it, it's like it looks like part of it looks like it's kind of an awesome prequel to Batman Begins, but then the other half yeah. of it just looks like they got these things really wrong, and why are they doing it? You know, like yeah, the idea just, of inserting it, like 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 Catgirl or whatever, like that just doesn't read. That doesn't make sense. I mean, maybe it will end up working in a story for a television show, but the whole idea of like the origin of Batman story, the real like what happens pre year one in like the 10 year period there whatever it ends yeah. up being it could be a really really good almost kind of like old uh you know like similar to like the old incredible hulk type show you know on the road every new week is a new a new place and a new lesson learned from a different kind of person you know or a couple episodes here and there i mean we didn't get much of it in animated series we got a little bit with japan we got a little bit with zatanna um and those those got, i can see got, those being good episodes yeah, we got a little bit of it with the Nolan with the Nolan movies, but right. I don't know. Gotham to me just seems like what they're trying to do is it's what they're trying to do is uh, something that they were thinking of for years, which was since small the Smallville formula seemed to work, it's right. oh let's take the Smallville formula and apply it to Batman. So we'll have Batman as a kid. And you know we'll we'll see how long we can have the show keep going, so we can do like oh this is Bruce Wayne and how does he become the Bat? So it's right. like oh here's a younger version of Selina Kyle. Ooh here's going to be a younger version of Riddler. Ooh here's Oswald Cobblepot when he was just starting. You know this this whole sort of you know oh let's do a prequel and then try to get people's attention by going ooh look here's an earlier version of this character. Yeah I know that part you is know? the part I hate, but like the GCPD part of it actually looks kind of good. It looks, like it see, looks... I, I would what what I would actually love is rather than a prequel, if they just simply did a Gotham City Police show, you know, and kind of have like uh, a superhero universe type of 
uh, type of version of your of yeah. the how usual little procedure. Regular people deal with all this craziness, yeah. right? Like, like you know, like like it's like, ooh, you know, if you watched all these Law and Order shows, but imagine Law and Order in a superhero universe, you know, yeah, that, that that would sound kind of cool. Like, like, like I, I gotta say, I I didn't get into Arrow at first, right? But then once it started really going, and once they started really bringing in elements of the DC universe, I'm hooked on the show now. So hearing of all the stuff that's coming in to Arrow, I'm like, wow, this sounds cool. And, you know, I love the the uh, the Flash spinoff that's coming. You know, it seems like DC is doing a better job TV-wise than they are film-wise. Well, that's, you know, that, that, that's always been they, the case. You know, film-wise, they seem to be trying to get their footing, and they're either A doing filmmaking by way of apology, which is, I think, how we got uh, Man of Steel, which is, oh, you don't like Superman as a Boy Scout. Oh, you didn't like that he wasn't fighting anybody. Okay, well, now we're doing this movie, and look, he's fighting Kryptonians, and, you know, oh, and he's not so Boy Scoutish. He has, you know, he has emotional range, by which they mean he's more angsty. Yeah. Uh, you know, or the fact that, you know, the the Nolan movies came out really well, but... They came out as a result of them saying, we're sorry about Joel Schumacher, but hey, look, Batman's not wearing nipples in the bat suit. Look, he's <laughs> not, you know, look. Yeah, he's, the pendulum, you know, he's pendulum little... swung too far on one side. Exactly. You know, sure, that's, yeah. the, again, filmmaking by way of apology and now also filmmaking by way of trying to play catch up because they, know, they, they saw that Disney and Marvel hit pay dirt with their shared universe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the thing that the thing that got me though is, did you see that um, there's been news reports of this sort of list of uh, comic book movies that are supposed to be coming out from now until 2010, uh, 2020? Uh, oh, I don't know. I haven't really. I, I'm trying to stay away from some of that because I kind of would rather be kind of pleasantly surprised or just not yeah. already getting too involved in the like you know prejudice prejudice of it all. But is, yeah. are they going to well, make no, a Hawkeye they, movie eventually? Like just take just take like fractions story, I don't know. scripts I that don't would be know. that would I, I be a lot of fun. No, see, I I don't know, but the thing the thing for me is that there's a um, there were a couple of articles over the last week that had lists of how many superhero or genre related movies that we're going to be getting from now until 2020. Oh right. And the thing is, we already know. I mean, we know like less than a handful of the Marvel movies that are coming. Like we like next year we're getting Age of Ultron, we're getting Ant Man, and then 2016 we're getting a Cap sequel. But like for example, there's a whole bunch of unknown Marvel movies from, I'd say, let's see, looking there's, at the list from the 2016. Too, right? Well, from 2016 to 2019, we have at least one to two Marvel movies coming out a year. Oh, Some wow. years it's going to be three. Oh, wow. And that's from that's from 2016 to 2020, you know, from from 2015 2016 we know of three, but then the rest there's some un, there's unknowns, and then I'm looking at DC. The only movie that we definitely know is coming is Batman versus Superman, and then looking at the list, the rest is unknown, 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 unknown. In other words, they're saying, well, we got movies coming out, but right. You know, it seems like they don't have a concrete plan yet, or they're trying to be coy and hold back until the right time. I mean, hopefully, it's that they have a plan. They're just waiting to to dole well, it they, out. They, they got to incorporate the success of Guardians of the Galaxy into their catch-up plan now. Well, well, you tricky. saw. Well, well, you also <laughs> saw that 
uh, DC blinked this week because originally DC and Marvel were both, you know, uh, we're gonna Marvel's gonna be releasing Captain America three on the oh, same right. date yes, that DC yes, was yes. doing Batman Superman, but it seems like DC blinked and they moved Batman Superman to March. That was pretty chicken shit of them because I, yeah, well, I, I like Captain America, but I bet that that the, the, the Batman would have won. Uh no, I honestly I think Cap would have. Uh, honestly, I'd put money down on Cap because you have he has two films already in the mix, and Batman Superman would have had to have something really impressive, like to see because again the Marvel movies are just doing gangbusters. Even Thor two, which I've heard a lot of complaints of. Mainly the fact that the chief villain kind of got short, short stacked when it came to characterization. Well, of course. Uh, yeah. But even even then, that's done a lot. That that did a lot of money. You know, the Marvel movies are just you know raking it in. You know, I mean, I, I mean, hell, even if like even if uh, Ninja Turtles, even if that does number one at the box office uh, this week. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy, I think, has already proven itself to be a success. You know, enough yeah. of a success that, you know, Marvel can't, uh, you know, Marvel Marvel won't be going, uh-oh, maybe we made a mistake doing a movie based around a talking raccoon. Yeah. Which, which I, I was, um, about a month ago, I was at a convention down here in South Florida, the Florida Supercon, and I was just talking with a couple of people, and I was like, you know, we, we were all agreeing that, you know, I don't think anybody would have ever known, you know, if this was like, you know, if you would go back in time to about 30 years ago or so, I don't think anybody would ever say, hey, we're going to one day see a movie starring Rocket Raccoon, and people are going to be excited to see it. <laughs> yeah, I, I always in the back of my head, you know, when I was, a, uh, you know, a kid in the 90s or whatever, reading Spider-Man and things like that, it was always like... You know they're gonna get to the point where they can do the effects convincingly, and all of they're gonna have you know fifty plus years worth of stories to draw on. And there's, I knew that this was gonna happen. I knew that the quote unquote comic book movie thing was gonna was gonna hit as big as it did. And so it's not really a surprise to me. But 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 when you talk about things like Rocket Raccoon and things like that, things that the Marvel movies done, those little subtle things, you know, like. Um, like uh, Falcon mentioning, uh, you know, was it an Al Green album as being like that's the only thing you need to listen to to understand, like <laughs> yeah. things like that that are so outside of like what you would expect. Yeah, I mean, like one thing. I mean, I assume you watched Agents of Shield. Yes. Right. So, like, I really got a kick out of. I mean, one for of course what they did with with Shield was crazy, but but there's this this shot at the end of like the second to last episode. Uh, when there's just a bunch of them kind of like on the lamb or whatever and they're just in some crappy motel somewhere in LA and you know Colson gets like a vending machine snack and just sits there and eats a piece of it and it's just kind of a, a long shot of him and he just kind of looks back and leans up and just kind of sighs <laughs> and I'm like that's like kind of like that's like a nice little moment that in this crazy convoluted comic book world web of the Marvel movies that they can do those things they can yeah, have those little those little like moments and that's like now cut yeah, to like credits the other, you know? that's you know, how they the ended an episode you know yeah, exactly and, and like you know you have that uh like in that same that same kind of scene how you have this uh you know one of the agents of shield he was getting like doritos from the vending machine and it's right, like yeah. and they're like whoa you know one of the other ones is like ooh, snacks and, it, and he's like well i'm off the clock you know? yeah <laughs> yeah snack time um yeah, exactly I mean, so, yeah, so they for, do they do have that kind of stuff that they're still able to insert there and i mean and one 
Well, and then of... also, I mean, just the fact that the stuff, I mean, again, with, with dealing with the fact we have a shared universe, you know, the, um, yeah. there was an episode where the two scientists, uh, Fitz, you know, Fitzsimmons, where they were kind of the focus, and they start talking about their old professors, and they name drop a Professor Vaughn. And, and it's like, all the, you know, all the comic geeks, all of a sudden, their, you know, their ears kind of perked up, and they went, What? Because, you know, you do have a, a Marvel superhero named Wendell Vaughn, who, a.k.a. he's the cosmic hero Quasar. And I think his dad was an astrophysicist. So it's like right there you're thinking, oh, a name drop. Could this, could this turn into something or was this a cool Easter egg name drop? Right, yeah, they can kind of, they can have their cake and eat it too with a lot of that where they can just they can throw it out there and if they use it, they use it later, you know? Yeah, and well, and, and, well and, hey, Captain, Amer- and, and Captain America of all places... Uh, when they're confronting Jasper Sitwell, and he's talking about the whole satellite system, he name drops Stephen Strange. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, r- right there, right there, you know, and and I mean that's even that's even bigger than Professor Vaughn, because that's that's saying with all certainty this is Stephen Strange. You know, there's only one person in comics with the name Stephen Strange. Yeah, this, they're saying that this character, whether we exists, we do a movie, yeah, exists in the world. And you're exists. right. That's, that's the biggest thing. I think. I think it's uh, it's tough to fault DC for not being there because just the history of, of those comics are disparate companies and different things. And Marvel really was kind of just started from like we did one book, then we did another book that was connected. Like they, they started with a with a grow a universe they grew out of rather than a bunch of different characters that kind of ended up being amalgamated under one company and then kind of you know awkwardly you know teamed up and whatnot. <laughs> But even then, I mean, DC has done really well with a stab. DC, at least in the comics, uh, even with all the constant reboots, has done really well with establishing a shared universe. And, you know, it's a shame that now they're trying to do a shared universe in film form, but by way of playing catch-up, by way of just jamming as much as they can in there and just acting out of desperation. You know, right. just telling people, look, this is cool, this is cool, because it's Batman next to the bat signal, and there's Superman in the air, and look, this is cool, this is cool. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, I don't know what to make of it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, as long as these movies, you know, as long as Transformers 4 and stuff makes a zillion dollars, it's like, there's yeah. no reason, there's no reason not to make a product that people aren't going to buy. I mean, the, yeah. the capitalism no, 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 is no, there. No, no. But, 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 but but it's weird that like there's this juxtaposition too where then like there's the good stuff that people are buying too. It's almost like is this the same audience seeing both of these? Like no, it's and you know it, it's again diff- I mean it might be the same audience because you know some one person can pick up something different from another person. Like right. you know I'm a huge comics fan, so seeing these things brought to life and seeing them try to establish a fully thought out, well thought out universe is cool for me. There's another person who will probably see Guardians of the Galaxy because they love the idea of a gun-toting raccoon. Oh yeah, you know? and that's then true, and yeah. then they'll be you know and they'll be the guys who will also see Transformers because hey, it's giant robots fighting, you know, and, and they don't sure. they don't care about any uh, any changes in characterization, you know, they just want to see giant robots fighting, you know. I mean, there's you know, it's again some. One person will pick up something different than another person. Some person may not like Guardians of the Galaxy because they're like, who are these people? Oh, the talking raccoon is stupid. Oh, I wish they would have had more, you know, more of Drax. If they had done a Drax movie, it would have been awesome. You know, it just that, that's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah. No, it's the nature, right. always, it's the nature of the beast. Yeah. 
but it's just uh, I'm I'm always trying to think about these things and figure these things out. The the last sort of final positive, which I kind of hit on with the prison sequence about Guardians of the Galaxy, it's two hours and one minute long. So I mean, apparently Transformers Four kick clocked in at damn near three hours. I've heard. Oh God! Yeah, yeah no, that it was no, it was a real slog. Yeah, uh, I mean, and so and so many of these movies have started to get so bloated, but who knows? And I mean, I don't know where you land on this, being more of a comic book guy, but. Uh, I think with what they've been establishing with a lot of these Marvel movies, I think their first... It'll still make a lot of money just because there's no way it won't, but I think their first potential, not necessarily misstep, but kind of like... Kind of how Iron Man 2 wasn't wasn't really that great. I, I think Avengers 2 is just not going to be that interesting. I, I mean, you've established all this bigger stuff, and then it, the story's going to be about like an AI that goes crazy, and then... I don't I don't know that that's that's a big enough storyline to kind of you know warrant bringing all these people together. Well, <laughs> but then again, you know, I I don't really know what they're drawing from from the yeah, history no, of the comics, well, and they're using the name of the most recent thing, and I but they're saying that that's not what it is or yeah, whatever. No, no, it's, I, I mean, it's the same creative team, so I, I mean you got to have some faith there. But yeah, the other I thing, well, I, I think the other thing is is that you know I mean okay, the idea of the Avengers get together to stop a mad AI. Okay, that in and of itself, you're right, that doesn't sound that um, that appealing. But then again, I mean, think of it this way. That's the, that's the most basic story, but, and I mentioned this earlier, you know, there are things that you can draw from the most basic idea that will draw people in, that will make the story work. And, you know, I said it before, one of the things about Iron Man is about technology and about the dangers of technology in the wrong hands. So from that story, from the Age of Ultron story, you could get, you know, that sort of ultimate expression of technology gone wrong. Yeah. You know, and you could do stuff with that. And, you know, you could take and you could also, uh, you know, if you take off from where Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been and also from where all these all these characters have been before you get to Avengers 2 you also have things to work with. Like, you know, Captain America, when he's coming into Avengers 2, he's been spending time looking for his ex-partner. You know, uh, Tony Stark has probably been in a state of semi-retirement, having put the armor away. You know, you could do things with this. I think there'll be good character stuff there. I just don't know if ultimately the the story will feel a little flat. Like, the the stakes of of the main story will feel a little flat. It it, it feels a little bit like a water tread to get to the third one, where, like, because of the way things are also timed out, you know? Well, we have to actually set these other things up first, so... Just, just we'll here, see. We gotta, I mean, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see because I mean, again, there, there might there might be more there. We just don't see it right now because Marvel's focus in advertising this is the new characters that are going to be in it and the right. central conflict. But there may be some stuff that's deeper inside. We just got to wait and be patient, yeah, and also yeah, and also trust that we're not going to get this sort of sequel decay that we're worried about. Especially because, well, if you look at a broader example, look at uh, Wrath of Khan. Yeah, you know that's considered the better film from the motion picture. There's no sequel decay there. Uh, Empire no. Strikes Back is considered the better film from Star Wars. There's no sequel decay there. So you know we just gotta be patient. Let all. I mean, so far for me, what we've seen, I'm like, so far so good. This looks awesome. I can't wait. Yeah, and yeah, I'm I... also curious to see, you know, what 
what develops from all this, especially how are they going to not only integrate the last time we saw some of these characters in film, but how are they going to integrate what's going on with the t- with TV now that we have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the mix. Yeah, so, and then Netflix, too. Everyone keeps forgetting that there's going to be like a Daredevil TV show yeah, on well, Netflix. Yeah, they're, so. yeah they're, doing, they're doing, and I think, it's, I think it's Daredevil, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones, Power Man, and then all that's going to lead to Defenders. So we also have to see, well, how's that going to play into things? Right, yeah. How's that going to play into the Definitely mix? good stories there. I mean, I haven't read any of that Brubecker Iron Fist stuff, uh, but, uh, I mean, I'm reading some of the Frank Miller Daredevil now, and I haven't really gotten into the good part of it yet. But <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's mostly him doing the art and then other guys writing it, but I think I just got to the to the part where it's like they introduced Elektra, and I think that's when things get get pretty involved. Yeah, no, um, I, I, I've read some of the Frank Miller Daredevil stuff. I've read some of the Brubaker Iron Fist stuff. Uh, you know, it'd be curious to see how much of that gets, like, I think the Daredevil movie that we had uh, like a decade ago or so, the one with Ben Affleck, I think that was very Miller-esque. But we'll see what we'll see what, what this new one draws from. Yeah. And, you know, and we'll see what, what they draw from Iron Fist and see what from what they pull out from that well. Yeah, so Daredevil has always been a character where it seems like every uh, there's always been universal praise for the writer writing on it, like uh, Mark Wade's writing and Bendis's writing and <laughs> Brew Baker I think wrote some of it too. And I'm kind of like, I don't know that I really care about this character, but if all these writers are you know that I who I read some of their stuff and they're all pretty good writers, like <laughs> maybe I do, maybe there's something that they they get there. So when I'm done with the Frank Miller one, I might explore more with 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 these other writers takes on it. Cause that's kind of where I'm at with comics. Now I'm kind of a fair weather reader in terms of writers, uh, other than maybe Batman, but hopefully Scott Snyder will just write it until he dies or something. Yeah. Well, well, for, I mean, for me, for me with comics, I'm kind of right now trying to steer more towards, uh, filling in holes in my classic reading. Oh, you know, okay, I've, I've cool. kind of like, like I, I've, I've kind of gotten away from DC's new 52 and from yeah, some of the stuff, of Marvel, from some of the stuff that the, that Marvel's doing comic wise, so I'm, I'm trying to like, I'm, I'm kind of trying to. Um... Marvel is kind of doing with their comics is almost kind of doing, like a catch up to DC, and we were, I mean, like it's ridiculous yeah. how many n- number ones Marvel puts yeah, out no, every six months. No, I mean, you know? for me, like, like for example, one thing uh, I noticed that they um, they've been bringing out trade paperbacks of Walt Simonson's run on Thor. You know, I want to try right. and collect those, especially because I'm waiting to see if they actually release a trade paperback, which will have uh, the story, which was Thor entering uh, the realm of the dead, because that has probably one of the awesomest sequences of his entire run, which is the executioner on the bridge at, I guess it's pronounced Yallerbrew. Oh, okay. I don't know. Can some uh, Again, anybody who's like... A fan of Thor comics, and you know who may know uh, what the, the the pronunciation is. Let me know. Let me know if I'm saying it right. All I know is yeah. it's spelled G J G J A. You know, L L E. You know, it's. Nice. I'm just I'm just putting the G silent. I mean, right. if, that if makes I'm, sense. If, if I'm doing it wrong, somebody let me know. Yeah, like, I, 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 I think it, I think it took me I think it took me like almost thirty years to find out that you pronounce the land of the giants Jotunheim. Because I was saying Jotunheim. Well, when you're, yeah, you don't know with these made-up yeah. words when you're yeah, a kid, yeah. um, whether they are, I don't know. Yeah. Plus, 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 mythology. I'm, plus, you know, plus, I'm, plus, I was raised Cuban, not not Scandinavian, so. No. Yeah, it doesn't help. Yeah, right. Yeah, that doesn't, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't help. Thor, that doesn't help at all. Thor comics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing yeah. off here, you know. 
Right. No, I, I'm, I'm, I did sort of a weird thing when I, I, I started getting back into them for about 15, about 15 years. There was a 15 year gap, and that was when I, I mean, all these things kind of blew up again, you know, because in the mid 90s they had gotten pretty stale and saturated and cookie cutter and lame. And uh, then about like '97 is like when Morrison has his JLA run and <laughs> Marvel, and things Marvel like that. Heroes Reborn and right, yeah, and Civil War and and things like that. So I, I've read some of that stuff. Uh, I haven't really gotten into a lot of the older ones, and part of that is I don't know. I mean, like there's just the way comics were written in like the '60s and '70s. There, I feel like there's a lot of overwriting in them. You know, there's just like like there's just there's a lot more words than there needs to be to tell this story. And, and that's some writer's prerogatives and some writers can do that well. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, I'll, I, I'm always curious to hear about these things and I know I need to fill in the gaps, but I'm also turning into more just with, with the fair, fair weather writer following thing of a guy that's uh, jumping onto a lot of these image books now where it's like, Oh, so-and-so is doing a book over there. Well, I got to check that out. You know, yeah. Well, I, no, I, I, I like that it's a single it's a single book. It's not all crossover. That's why the only Marvel book I read now is Hawkeye. Because so far it has not fallen into crossovers. It has not turned into, oh, now you got to go read this at Secret Avengers and whatever else. It's like, it literally says at the beginning of every issue of Hawkeye, like, this is when all that other stuff isn't happening. Yeah, no, <laughs> so, I, I, you know, for, for me, I also find myself dipping into a lot of independent wells. 